Welcome to the Geek to Geek podcast, where somehow Thanksgiving is right around the corner. I'm Void. I'm here with my co-host, Beige. Hey, I'm thankful for you. Aw, it's so nice. Today we're talking about, uh, there's not one main topic. We have like three or four and then a bunch of geekery. I don't know. We missed a couple episodes. Life has been very weird this year, but we yeah. have lots of thoughts on lots of different things. So we're just going to kind of wing it today. And I thought we would get started with Dune because I know how much you love Dune and I've watched yes. the movie. I thought you would probably want to discuss this. So I put it up front. I absolutely adored this movie. Um, I know that that you had a slightly different reaction to it than I did because you aren't terribly familiar with the source material that you haven't read a lot of them. And I'm, I know I'm way more invested in it. Um, but when I watched it, I, I didn't know it was part one until I started it. Like I've, I've kind of avoided a lot of the behind the scenes and media stuff leading up to it. Cause I didn't want to get ruined and spoiled on stuff on how they were doing different things. But, um, so I went in and pretty fresh on it other than just what, you know, I knew of casting and I thought it was fantastic. I have a few minor quibbles with the way that they, they handled certain uh, characters in certain situations, but that's the way any adaptation is going to go. Um, but I thought it was just truly fantastic and beautiful. Uh, I'm so excited for part two. Good. I'm, I'm glad you liked it that much because I didn't hate it, but I also didn't have the same reaction that you did. But I'm not as attached to the source material. And a lot of what I've found as I've talked to people about this movie is that people that are more familiar with Dune and the story seem to like it a lot more than people that are coming to this with no knowledge. And I'm somewhere in the middle, right? Like, my mom is a big fan of Dune, so I've heard about it for years. You are as well, so I've heard about it from you. And I've also watched one of the miniseries or the miniseries yeah. that came out. Um, so I kind of vaguely remember the story, but but that was a long time ago. And so the, the main thing was I really wish I had known this was a part one before I started the movie because I could have set my expectations accordingly. And the thing is, it does tell you as soon as the movie starts and you see the title screen because it says Dune part one. But it, it, does. it wasn't in the marketing materials. It's not like labeled in the title of the movie. Like there's nothing before I got into the movie that would have let me know that this was a part one. And that was actually extremely frustrating for me. And I know why they do it right. Like they don't want to put part one because it would keep people from seeing it. Yep. Because that's just how people think. Um, but it did feel like a little bit of a bait and switch to me, which that that just really bugs me. And the thing is, because I didn't set my expectations according to that until I was already in the movie and it was too late, the movie feels like it kind of just ends. Like after two and a half hours of lead up, when things are finally going to start paying off, the movie just stops. And you told me that it makes sense to stop where I did in the story because you know the story. Yes. But as somebody who is not familiar with the story, it feels like it stopped right when it was going to get like, like interesting not that it wasn't interesting but right when it was going to finally pay off for all of the time that i just invested it just ends and it's not a satisfying ending and it's like normally when you have a trilogy or a duology or like multi-part movie the first one at the very least is self-contained to the point where it has a beginning middle end and end this one has a beginning and a middle and then right before the next thing happens it just ends um and so I think that's really because I mean out, even outside of the the film outside of the director being the kind of uh guy who looks at film as uh, as an art form and storytelling medium more so than uh, than entertainment um I there's not really an end 
that you can split Dune at other than like this. There are a couple of other places where things kind of, I don't even want to say hit a lull, but kind of branch off into other stories and open up different paths. But it's the, the overall story doesn't really have an arc to it. Um, Frank Herbert wasn't the best at doing that. And while this first book does definitely have the uh, the full narrative arc in it, there aren't really any sub arcs that other than the one that we got in this one that would really be conducive to splitting a movie um, because it would make everything else just abruptly end even more so than this one did because the movie is about to take a far different turn than what it was in in this movie uh with where it ended after i'm not even gonna spoil anything after a raid and a big battle uh the the book shifts into i guess the story shifts into a much more personal story that you start dealing with a lot more internal stuff than the external stuff this one was setting up with arrakis and the politics and so if it if it had continued, the movie would have slowed down, which is not a bad thing. Um, but I think ending it here would have uh, prevented it from ending in a lull that was character driven instead of narrative driven, if that makes any kind of sense. Yeah. And I trust you and I believe you, but it also doesn't mean that it's a good way to end a movie. And that's that's what I keep coming back to is like all of the arguments I've heard for ending it there are because people have the meta knowledge of the rest of the story as a self-contained movie. There's no good reason to end the way it did. But I, I don't want to focus on that too much because I think I've already hit my point there. I, I wanted to also say the world building, the cinematography, the tone setting in this movie, they're all incredible. They're masterclass. They're extremely well done, right? Um, it's just that telling of the actual story that didn't land for me. But that being said, like the world building, the way it's shot, the way it's edited, you know, the sound design, all of that, like it's kind of a sit back and vibe movie. And it reminded me a lot of Blade Runner 2040, is it nine or 2047, whatever 2049, it is. 2049, yeah. it's because Same it's, guy. Yeah, and I didn't know that until the end. I was like, oh, this really has like, the same vibes as that new Blade Runner movie. And then afterwards, when I was looking up like that versus this, I didn't realize it was the same director until then. Yep. Um, and so where I landed ultimately with Dune was that I wanted to like it more than I did, but I didn't hate it because there's a lot of really cool things in here too. I kind of just wish that I had waited until part two came out and then I would have just watched them back to back and I bet my opinion would be radically different. So I still reserve the right that after part two comes out, if I retroactively change my mind about this movie as part of a duology, um, that could very well happen. And I disagree in terms of the telling of the actual story uh, on top of everything else. I think that they're telling the story in, a, in, in an incredibly... Uh, not a comprehensive comprehensible way where yes the 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 nature of the story makes it a little bit expository at the beginning um but you know the actual narrative flows incredibly well through this that there aren't really any points that are not important that uh this is not the kind of movie where you can leave the room and miss something 
if you leave the room, you'll miss something important regardless of the point at which you do it. And I think that's incredible storytelling where they can keep everything moving at that pace and and engage the audience in a way that uh, that makes it so that, oh, this is where I'm going to go pee. There aren't really any points like that. That's that's fair. And yeah, I think we just land in different places with this movie. Right. And we um, do look at movies in a different way. Like I think Rogue One is garbage and uh, <laughs> always got to come back to that. But we do look at movies in different ways. Uh, just the way that they're told and the the storytelling and the, the but we absolutely agree on the cinematography. Like I'm sad I haven't seen this one in the theater. I've seen it twice at home and uh, I wanted to go see it in IMAX because it's just so wonderfully shot that I haven't had a chance to to go to the theater. And the thing is, uh, and this is probably my last thought on it, is like if you had part two ready to go when I finished that movie, I would have started it immediately or I would have gone to bed and woke up and the next day I would have started it. But like I would have watched right. it within 24 hours of completing this movie because like I, I did want more. I did want to know what's next. I just I don't know. Um, That's kind of where I landed. But do you want to talk about Guardians of the Galaxy? So you've been playing Guardians of the Galaxy, the new video game that I completely forgot had already come out that I thought was coming out next year. Yes. So uh, like like it launched. I saw this on the PlayStation Store on the PS5 and it really surprised me because I legitimately thought this came out next year. I did not know this was a Q4 game for this year. Um, so I expected much less than what you're going to be talking about. I expected it to be uh, feel very unfinished and unpolished. And that's not really the way that you've described it to me. So no. this is totally something I'm going to play. But like I said, it was on my radar for next year. So I don't have anything planned out. You know, I've got all the stuff I do. And I was like, Guardians isn't even <laughs> factoring into that right now. Yeah, it kind of slipped in under the radar a little because it previewed horribly. Like if you guys had watched any of the trailers or any of the like pre-release marketing, this looked bad. And that's kind of where it was. It was very low on my list. I wasn't going to give it the time of day. And then I started, I mean, you know that I listen to a lot and I read a lot of gaming news mm -hmm. and people kept saying this is way better than it should be. This is not like what it seemed in the previews. And so I finally gave it a chance and I completely agree. Like it's so much better than the previews and the trailers led me to believe um, because of the narrative and the production quality around the narrative. And the thing is, a lot of what they featured in the pre-release coverage was the combat and the combat yeah. is like generic it's not like bad right it's not bad to the point of frustration but it's not doing anything new it's not doing anything that's like above and beyond or super cool it's just kind of like an older style third person action game where it has some combat in it and so what i ended up doing was i turned the combat difficulty all the way down to like as minimum as i could go so that i basically knew that every fight would be as fast as possible and i would almost guarantee win right um right that has made the world of difference i think that if i had to like slog through the combat scenarios in this game i would have bounced off of it within the first hour or two but the story is just so good it's like it has the vibe of the movies, but it's a different cast, right? So it's not supposed to be in the MCU. It's not supposed to be exactly those characters, but kind of that like nonstop talking, always sniping at each other, but in a friendly, but yet bickering way. Um, they capture that essence, but it's interactive now. And in a way, it almost feels to me like a telltale game, but on steroids. 
Like, mm. um, you have a lot of things that you get to decide along the way about like how you react to things. What do you say? This character will remember that, or this will have an effect on that. And it plays out through the story. And so that's what I'm enjoying. I'm really enjoying the narrative. Um, the other thing is that it's not in, it's not incredibly long. I think it's, um, based on what I looked up, it looked like it's about a 15 hour game. So it's not super short okay. either, but it's not a 40 or a hundred hour game. Right. And, it's about 16 chapters. So you're looking at about an hour per chapter. And that's kind of what I found in my playing. And so what I've been doing is I'm only playing one or two chapters at a time because I'm like, oh, that was kind of like a nice, almost like an episode of a TV show, right? Like a quick hit of Guardians. And then I take a break for a day or two and then I go back and I do another chapter or two. And so I'm a little bit over halfway through the game just based on how many chapters I'm through right now. And I think I'm going to keep going with it. I I feel like I'm probably going to end up beating this one just kind of like slow and steady Um, and not for the, the gameplay and like the action, but just purely for the story and the storytelling and and yeah, it's it's top notch when it comes to that. And you mentioned one thing about this being, you know, the Guardians and not the MCU Guardians and being a different cast. I mean, they have different models. They, they are based on the comics characters. And the more I've seen people talk about this and the old Avengers game and just other kinds of media uh, in general, I get really frustrated by people uh, being like, you know, this should be like this because of the MCU. And I'm like. I love the MCU, but this isn't connected to it. There, there's a foundational base material, uh, source material for that that you can draw from as well. Where I think that the ubiquity and uh, prevalence of the MCU has actually uh, hurt a lot of of people's view on how different games and uh, stories like this can be told because it's not Chris Pratt. Uh, being star lord and uh, i saw people talk about it in um, marvel ultimate alliance and things like that and i'm just like i get where they're coming from and why they think that way but i also get really frustrated by it because yes that's the only thing that you may know about it but that's not what everything is i don't know i, I feel kind of like i'm 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 like it's gatekeeping in a way the way that i think but i'm like give it a chance is kind of the opposite. I'm like, stop thinking it has to be the MCU and expand your horizon a little bit. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and don't complain about this. Try this. And you know what? You might like it more or just as much. It's, it's just yeah. one of those things where I'm like, well, this isn't the MCU. So I don't want to do it. I'm like, maybe, maybe, maybe you should try it. Maybe you'd <laughs> like it better. And the thing is, I think I actually do like this Star-Lord better than Chris Pratt because like Chris Pratt kind of plays a he tries to be a lovable doofus, but he's not like super smart. Um, Whereas this Star-Lord is really trying to like be a team leader and is mostly competent at it most of the time. And it shows through the gameplay, too. And like the way the combat is structured, as much as I think the combat's not super innovative and, you know, didn't grab me, it is kind of interesting that a lot of combat is you calling the shots for the other team members. And so right. even though like you have direct control of star Lord, so like you can shoot his blasters and stuff. The, the combat is much more about like telling Drax to go attack this guy with one of Drax's attacks that you have unlocked or like Gamora, go attack this person or rocket use your grenade over there or Groot. You should like bind these people up with your roots and they are basically your special powers, but they recharge so fast that you're constantly just calling the shots for the other team members. And so it gives yeah. you this like world 
building and storytelling through combat um, where it makes Star-Lord feel more competent and more like a team leader than he ever does in the MCU. So I did actually like that part better. Yeah, I mean, I totally understand that. Like, uh, I love Star-Lord in the MCU, but I also, you know, that sounds great. That uh, the way that they handle him, like I like, I I can't wait to play this and experience that myself. Yeah, um, so that's kind of Guardians of the Galaxy. I'll see if it comes back up on our Games of the Year end of the year list, which is only a couple episodes away, honestly, which is crazy to me. Um, yeah, but it's weird. The other thing I've put a ton of time into, and I don't think I'm going to have a chance to talk about it again between now and when we record that episode. So I need to hit on it here. Is Final Fantasy 14, and right. I've been playing a lot more of the content. Um, I'm I'm all the way caught up, so I'm ready for Endwalker, and I'm excited for it. But the main like reason that I got back into it the way I did is because my brother has been leveling up. Through through yeah. he basically had tried a little bit in the past but he was very very early on in a realm reborn so he was essentially at our like four or six out of a multi-hundred oh, okay. hour story right he was basically yeah, at the beginning so um and so very beginning what might be the tutorial part still yeah. considered those the, the intro quests yes exactly like he didn't have his job yet he was still in the classes which is the very beginning of the yep. yeah and so um I basically picked a different like class to level or a different job to level up alongside him so I could play with him while making progress yeah. on a new class and in a new role. And so I was tanking like and I've I've tanked a little bit here and there just to dabble in it, but this is the first time that I consistently um was tanking throughout uh any MMO ever. And so basically I was his pocket tank for his entire playthrough and he's not quite done. He's getting into Shadowbringers right now, but I've yeah. basically been his like tank on call when he needs to queue for a dungeon because he's been yep. playing like he's been leveling as a DPS. And so I've been playing Paladin and learning how to tank and I'm absolutely loving it. And so my Paladin is max level now um and I was like, well, I like this role a lot. Let me try the other tanks. So I went back and I got all of the tanks in the game up to level 60 and like i like tanking a lot now and i'm not sure if i want to go back to dps which is different for me i've never felt like that before and i think paladin might actually be my favorite class in the game even though i've mained bard all the way up until now Hmm. and that's really interesting because i've gone back i haven't tried paladin in a long time i tried the warrior and i wasn't a fan of uh of tanking with it um i don't necessarily like and i like tanking but i, I tend to like aoe tanking and just the way that all of it's worked in, in like the paladin in world of warcraft and things like that like i'm i haven't fallen into something that i really just love in or maybe I've tried the Paladin and then didn't go back to the Warrior. I don't remember which way it was. It was the one that was more single target tanking, and I fell off of it, but I want to like it. Like, the idea of these classes is great, and so I'm super glad that you uh, fell in that you like it more than uh, the Bard. Yeah, and I will say that, like, now I've done all of the tanks up to level 60, and I've done Paladin all the way up to the max level right now, which is 80. And um, Paladin's my favorite. It, it, my ranking basically goes for tanks. It's like Paladin, Dark Knight, um, Gunbreaker, and then the Warrior is, like, very much at the bottom. I, I didn't like that one as much as any of the others. But I've done them all now, yeah. and I really like that role of tanking. Um, so that's new for me. And then the other big thing that I made a change of was... 
I, I always wanted to play more Final Fantasy fourteen than I did, but what was stopping me was like something about how I was playing the game was just like bad for RSI issues, and I don't really have RSI issues unless I'm playing an MMO. And so just like my wrists would hurt, my shoulders would tighten up. It's all that kind of stuff where like sitting at a PC playing the game in my free time when I work at a computer all day every day, I, I couldn't do it anymore. And so I was really worried coming into Endwalker. I'm like, I want to see the conclusion of this 10 years worth of story that they're kind of putting an end cap on before they start the next 10 years of story but i don't know right. if i can sit at the computer playing this game for that long so what i did was i taught myself how to use a controller for this game and let me tell you that breaks your brain for quite some time until you get oh, your head does. around it um and now i can't imagine playing it on keyboard mouse anymore because i love playing it on the controller so much more but man that was a whole process in itself I've tried so many times to hook up the gamepad and and get used to the crossbars. And it just, like you said, it breaks my brain. And I always just go back to the mouse and keyboard because I'm never anywhere other than just sitting in front of my my computer. I don't play it on a console or a big TV. I'm always just right there with my mouse and keyboard in reach. And when I try to do it with a gamepad, it just, I haven't been able to succeed with anything with it. Yeah, and I love it. The thing is, I still like having a keyboard nearby for like typing to like in chat, right? Like with a party or like, um, saying, you know, good game or like thanks for the dungeon. Or if you wipe on a boss, just being like, oh, hey, here are the boss mechanics. Like there are reasons to have a key- keyboard near me still. Um, but I really do like the moment to moment control on a controller better. It's just the crossbar combat and the way that you have to start thinking about like how you select actions is so different from any other game out there because. Right. It's essentially translating like hot bar combat into a controller and it doesn't map one to one. And so now that I have my head around it, I, I absolutely love it. I'm basically playing with a controller full time in the game. Um, and because I've been able to play more of it than I was ever in the past, I'm finally getting into all of these systems that I had never touched before. And I'm not going to deep dive here because this could be multiple episodes in itself. And we have a lot of other things to talk about today, but just some of the things I've touched on, like I did palace of the dead, a bunch, which is like a self-contained leveling dungeon. Um, Mm -hmm. I, I tried harvesting for the first time. I haven't done crafting yet, but it's on my list to get around to. I finally like dug into the gold saucer, which has a fashion contest and chocobo racing and minion battles and a bunch of mini games and mini game challenges that roll out every 20 minutes and i did a much deeper dive on triple triad which is still like the best final fantasy mini game that's ever existed Mm -hmm. and i think the version inside of final fantasy 14 is the best version of triple triad as well so i spent probably a couple weeks just playing triple triad because it was fun for me and on top of that, going and doing a bunch of like the, this is some of the stuff that I've done before is like the duty roulettes, right? Like um, going into the, like the dungeons, the leveling roulette, the main scenario. And it's still one of those things where like they bribe you as an end game player to go back and play lower level content, but you mm-hmm. get such good rewards out of it that you feel good doing that. Even if you're playing with brand new players that don't know what they're doing. And I still don't understand why every game doesn't steal this idea. It's it's great. Like uh, WoW was supposed to have something like that in the new expansion with Torghast, and it did not work out that way. Um, I haven't done the other one besides Palace of the Dead. Uh, there was one for uh, Shadowbringers that was one of the solo dungeons like that, and I never did it. Uh, but I loved Palace of the Dead. I did it so much. Uh, playing through i love it to level and i love it because of the rewards that you can get like it's just a fantastic fantastic dungeon 
Yeah, and I mean, even just and like people the, are nice. People are generally nice in the game, and, and you know, even like the duty roulettes daily. Like I'm doing the PvP one just because it gives you like almost a level worth of experience, even though I hate mm-hmm. PvP in general. Um, but yeah, like when you're going into a leveling roulette or a dungeon roulette or any of those, people in Final Fantasy 14, it just generally has such a good community, and I always forget how good it is until I go back to it. Yeah, it it is much more positive than other online communities that I've been a part of and especially MMO communities. It's uh there there is more toxicity in it than there used to be because it's a much bigger game now than it used to be and you're bound to attract some of the uh some of the non-desirables, but it's uh still every time I log in it's amazing how how wonderful the community is and how welcoming they tend to be yeah and And understanding right and there's so many aspects to the game too that it's like i don't know there's so many things that if you want to put the time in right there i mentioned all the systems that i touched on or i started digging into i didn't even mention all the things i haven't touched yet like crafting and house decorating and high-end rating and maps that open into instance dungeons that only exist through map collection and um blue mages blue mage is a class that's separate from all the other classes and it's only solo but it doesn't function like any other class in the game and it basically breaks the game in a bunch of ways and you know it's there's just so much here but all of that said the reason why i've had such a good time is that i've gotten it's been a such a good excuse to like play a game with my brother and also to level up alongside him with my own character you know switching to a lower level job and then trying to level up and kind of stay in his general level range and level with him has been extremely fun and just seeing him go from essentially newbie to not a veteran player but a fairly experienced player has been just incredibly satisfying Yep, I can I can imagine like the the fun part of Final Fantasy 14 for me has always been playing with my group of friends, like where we would play it together. Every time yeah. I go back and try to level up solo through anything, I I bounce off of it. That uh, the only thing that the only time I've ever been able to spend a significant amount of time alone is going from Heavensward into Stormblood because I was basically just powering through the content to be able to level up to where they were currently at. Yeah, and so my hype level for Endwalker is. I don't think it's unreasonable, but it's pretty high just because they've said that this is the end of the the story that they started with A Realm Reborn. Um, this right. will conclude that arc of the story, and then they're going to kind of start. They're not they're not resetting necessarily, but they said that the next expansion after this one is going to start a new story that's probably going to last for the next decade. But that means that just this one is kind crazy. of like putting a putting an end on putting a you know button on the end of this 10 years of story and it's crazy maybe not quite 10 years it's like eight years or nine but you know it it feels like uh, an important moment so i'm excited for that and i won't have played enough of it for it to qualify for our end of the like year games list but i will definitely have thoughts when we come back in the new year about endwalker and i'm psyched for it um so okay i got my final fantasy in there (laughs) it's probably time to uh, take a break before we also have a bunch of other geekery but don't forget we're part of a network we have podcasts we have streamers we have the geekery blog all that and more at geek2geekmedia.com or go to geek2geekmedia.com slash subscribe to get it sent to you and then what is the latest for patreon for the network for the moment, we're going to rework it. 
Uh, the magazine uh, that we've been putting out, I believe we got 14 issues out of it. So y'all can go to patreon.com slash geek to geekcast and get uh, 14 back issues of fantastic content from our from our team. Um, we're reworking that because that is a lot of work to put out monthly. And what we're going to do is try to make it a little more accessible. We're going to be putting stuff on the website. We're going to be uh, kind of uh, streamlining the the reward tiers and uh, really jumping, having a uh, maybe having some audio podcasts, uh, podcast versions of, of content on the the Patreon. And we're working on uh, getting that set up for the beginning of the year because the last uh, year and a half has been absolutely awesome. But uh, the magazine didn't work for everybody. Um, it was a lot of work. We didn't get the traction that we had hoped we would. Um, and honestly, uh, I think people were, I think people will respond better to having, uh, more exclusive content through Patreon itself and, uh, the general website. So if you want to check that out, you can go to patreon.com slash geek to geek cast, uh, get ready for what we've got coming up and check out what the last 14, uh, actually, more months than that because we doubled up last like 15 months have been uh for putting together these wonderfully designed magazines and uh, written by absolutely fantastic staff uh so we're excited to see what's coming up uh still putting out the same kind of content just in a slightly different format that kind of brings us to weekly geekery where we share what we've been geeking out about this week what's new with you uh so i well first i bought my first ever expensive desk chair um Ooh. i my my other chair like you know how the all desk chairs have like the pneumatic thing in the middle yeah. and it's just this pole that kind of rests a few inches above the the ground well apparently my other one was cheap enough that everything around it was this really flimsy plastic and it just kind of cracked in like four places and just slammed into the ground where i was having to balance like on this uh like balancing on a pole where i couldn't have the wheels level and there was nothing i could do to get this thing level so i got rid of that chair and bought the uh razor isker chair uh it's a really weird name for a chair but it's you know razor the uh the computer and uh gaming peripheral company because i have a razor computer and have used a razor naga for years and this is the first time I've ever spent the money on something that was supposed to be a high end like debt. Like I got the the desk that I did earlier that uh, this was the first time I've done anything like was a high end chair. And holy cow, the construction on stuff like this is so much better than anything else that I've uh, I've used in the past. That was uh, kind of the, the mid to low range. Like everything is uh, made out of metal and is so solid like I am terribly impressed by this so far it's a little higher than i want it to be uh but i'm switching offices into a different room that has more natural light in it so i'm just going to put my desk on uh, risers a little bit for a couple of inches it's not going to be a big deal at all uh but i'm really liking this it's super comfortable and uh i'm i'm so glad that i don't feel i don't feel the the chair like creaking or moving just when i i sit down in it like i have in like the cheaper chairs sweet that's exciting and so I've been playing D&D &D a bunch as as uh, has been for like the last year. But uh, I've been DMing Avernus, the Baldur's Gate Descent into Avernus uh, that came out last October-ish. And uh, I finally got the, the group into hell. Uh, we've been uh, playing for a while and we finally got the group into hell. And 
oh my God, the more that I read further in and try to prep stuff, this is an absolutely terribly designed hardcover. And I don't suggest anyone uh, actually play this if they're planning on playing it uh, just as the as Wizards of the Coast has written it. Like it's I did a Twitter thread on this that I've linked in the notes and uh, it's okay. If you buy a hardcover for for an RPG, you expect to be able to just get it and at least run with it without a having to do tons of homework. Like you don't have to design the the encounters and everything. You should be able to go at least you know point by point, uh, only you know improvising where you need to. Yeah, that's like the whole point. Otherwise, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's not what this is. Um, at the beginning of it, it starts out in Baldur's Gate. And um, I didn't realize at the time because I hadn't uh, prepped far enough ahead that there is literally no reason for the players to care about the primary narrative that draws you uh, into the second half of this book. Oh, no. So how much work for you is it then? No impetus to this at all. Like, it's just like you're expected to do it because that's what you're doing. But like getting the characters to decide and be motivated to do it. There's nothing. So it felt like a lot of railroading to be able to get the group there. And uh, it takes a lot of work to be able to to make them care just a little bit. Um, I had them argue with some characters, find some things, uh, find some things out, like try to push them forward uh, in terms of what they told me about their characters and what they cared about and liked, uh, like as personalities, like I was trying to get them to go against organizations because they were trying to make them like beat outcasts and then meet people from this other town. And the thing is you're going into hell to save this town that, or this city that was dragged into hell. Like that's the entire point, but you never go to that town. You don't know anything about that town you start in Baldur's Gate, which is a good few days ride uh, away from it, and there is no reason to care about that other town that you don't have anything to do with. Um, so it is not good. It's tacked on. Um, it's horribly overbalanced, and uh, it, it's super hard for a group uh, without the DM like fudging numbers. Like I actually TPK'd my my I, I party killed everybody by dropping a fireball on a bunch of level twos because that's just what the enemy was and uh basically rewound it and have been like hey i didn't mean to do that um this is gonna be brutal but not i'm not trying to kill you at level two um but it's uh it's basically a book that has a lot of really really cool vignettes that kind of tie together and you make your own story out of it as a as a dm um I've been reading a bunch lately about this one, and there is a guy named Justin Alexander. Uh, he has a blog called The Alexandrian, and he did what he calls a remix of this, and I'm linking to it in the link in the notes too. It's amazing what this guy put in. Like, I'm gonna sub, I'm gonna subscribe to his Patreon because the quality of this work is above and beyond any kind of supplement that I've found for any kind of tabletop game in the past. Like he reworked everything to make there be uh, reasons for people to care, to make some of these story threads make sense and for things to motivate the players instead of just happen to them and the DM find a way to push them through it. And so I've been spending uh, the last few evenings making a bunch of notes from that and other things to uh, 
really make it so that my we've been having a really good time, but my 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 players have uh, not like remembered certain things are like why are we doing this again like there's no reason to and so i'm finally finding things in his and some other supplements and and found ways to tie it together that will finally make this kind of meandering uh short story collection into an actual narrative um but it was really surprising because i've been looking forward to this for a long time because it's basically mad max in hell the way that it was described and it is totally not like it is it is a hot mess and i cannot suggest it to anybody unless you want to run through uh using the remix as a, as a way to tie the threads together like as a dm this is by far the one that takes the most uh homework like i've done more homework on this than i did for the homebrew campaign i've worked on oh no like yeah yeah that's how that's what i mean like it makes so little sense it takes more work to make sense out of this than it does to write my own campaign and set up maps and stuff for it well like good that luck shouldn't i guess be the way it goes yeah no uh well okay you gotta report back and see how it goes as you start using the new guide and uh yeah what you can salvage from it yeah i'm excited for this week like we're playing on saturday uh this week and it's all online so it's something that uh that we don't get to be in person for but i'm excited to play this week because after we where we stopped last week is absolutely perfect for where i found it like this is where everything can start to congeal into a to a real story that's being told as opposed to a bunch of stuff like well i guess this ties into that like why are we over here oh yeah because of that i'm at the point where i can finally make everything flow forward um so i'm i'm super excited and i'm sure uh next time we record i'll be talking about the couple of sessions that have happened between now and then Awesome. Um, for me, I have a couple super quick hits. So I finished De- Deathloop. Um, it was decent. I got kind of bored by the core gameplay by the end of it, which I was afraid mm-hmm. would happen just because I've talked about how that, I don't know, that style of stealth game, like first person gameplay doesn't always click with me when it's also action based. And I don't know. I don't right. know. If, if you like the games from this developer um, in the past, you will also like this one because it's the same style. The thing that did pull me all the way through the end because I finished the game was the meta narrative around the time travel like looping structure that was really interesting from to me from the beginning all the way to the end so i ended up finishing it and i'm glad i finished it and then i'm never going to touch it again (laughs) it's kind of (laughs) one of those games um i mean that's okay Uh, yeah you got your money's worth out of it at least i did and then age of empires 4 came out at some point between last recording and this recording and it's kind of just a modern rts like that's in the older style so it hasn't i mean Mm -hmm. it has a couple like quality of life features but it doesn't feel like a reimagining of the rts genre it just feels like those games that used to come out right like age of empires 2 or like (laughs) starcraft like it, it feels all of like those the thing that i did want to call out because i wasn't going to talk about it if it was just generic but in between the campaign levels where i'm like yeah okay this is an rts they have this like really cool history channel-esque video series that ties into the campaign and it's like supplemental content but do you remember when history channel used to be good (laughs) like oh yeah yeah i remember when it was something i i I, I, that wasn't all ancient aliens and uh bigfoot and uh, ghost hunters yeah and before it was reality tv and all that you were you remember like that older style of history channel right when it was like at its golden age okay imagine that kind of content with that tone and quality but put into like a five to ten minute chunk instead of like a 30 to 60 minute chunk they do that between 
every campaign level and they give you something related to the campaign or to the history of the time period like there was one that i watched between a couple of the first like campaign missions where it was talking about how medieval castles were built and how there's this group that's currently building their own medieval castle from scratch to figure out if the things that we assume about medieval times and the methods that they used still hold up today and oh wow like that is what was so cool to me so I don't know if I'm going to spend much more time with this game, but if I do, it is going to be because of those in-between campaign mission Mm. things where you get to dive into these like history channel, like side tangents because they were so interesting to me. Man, I loved Age of Empires 2. I actually still have behind me in my collection of uh, old games uh, the Age of Empires 2, like, giant PC box and all the CDs that came with it and the books. Like, I loved that game. It was so good. Well, this is so I heard game Age of Empires 4. Oh, is it on Game Pass? Yeah. Oh, awesome. I'm totally going to install this. I Like, I'm not going to... Like play this. I'm terrible at RTS games. Like really bad. And uh, but it's really cool that if it's on if it's on Game Pass, I'm absolutely going to give it a shot because I adored Age of Empires too. Yeah, no, I wouldn't have given it the time of day if it was something I was paying for. But this is Game Pass, and I already subscribed, so it's a yeah, great exactly. Game Pass game. I will say that. Another thing I did in the last couple of weeks was rewatching the Matrix series because the new one yeah. is coming out pretty soon. And so, without doing a whole podcast on all the individual movies, because I don't particularly want to do that but the (laughs) thing is the first movie is still incredible it is amazing it's five stars it holds up to modern day it's two thumbs up it's like whatever rating system you use i would give this a top rating the first matrix i I adore it still i loved it in the time but i was so surprised that it holds up to like my modern sensibilities because it's been a long time now right it's been like 20 years more than 20 years um yeah the second movie and the third movie are okay (laughs) like they're they're okay they're decent action movies especially the second one has a bunch of decent action sequences um but this core story isn't really as compelling as the first one and then the third movie is really more of just like an extended conclusion to the second movie Mm -hmm. that kind of caps off the series and it also has some decent action but less so than the second and so and i i liked the action in, in part three way better than i remembered liking it that uh, I remember being like, oh, man, this is hard to watch. And then when I go back this time, I'm like, oh, this is better than I thought it was. I like that. But it's exactly what you described. Absolutely. Yeah, and they're okay. Two and three are okay. I'm glad I rewatched them because now I have the context before we're going into Matrix 4, which I keep forgetting the name. Is it Resurrections or something? Resurrections, like that? yeah. Yeah. Um, but, man, my, my biggest surprise from rewatching the Matrix series is how great that first movie is. Like, if you don't want to rewatch all of them before you watch the new Matrix movie, make time to watch the first one because it just it holds up it's kind of incredible how much it holds up um it does it really holds up like i said i think the last time that we talked it's one where you go in and start out with okay this came out in 1999 this is definitely a 90s movie and by the time you get to the end of it it's like yeah yeah this was a 90s movie and it's great (laughs) it's uh it's just wonderful i i watch it so many times um i ended up i have the trilogy on dvd but by the time when i started the second movie on dvd it was like nope stream this on hbo max it was like there's no way i'm i'm watching this in uh in standard definition now um they've done a pretty good job with the remasters uh the 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 special effects in the second and third one do not hold up as much as the first one uh they went to cgi on it which is absurd for me to say with the matrix 
I know. Like it'll be the first, like, yeah. fourth one will be really interesting to see what happens, and we'll find out here in yeah. like a month. Like it's not that far away. And yeah, I'm I'm really excited. Like when I did this rewatch, it made me sad that I'd never played The Matrix online. That it made me want to go in and uh, play that old game uh, that I didn't give the time of day because I was so into EverQuest and Ultima Online. Yeah, yeah, I've heard there's a lot of like supplemental material there that really mm-hmm. truly ties in and is canon. So let's we'll yep. just see what they do with the fourth one. Um, and then the last thing in my geekery for this week is Forza Horizon Five, just because it might get an honorable mention at the end of the year. But I wanted to talk about it really quickly because as a game, I think it's all right. But the thing that I wanted to call out is that like it's been so fun to play with my son and then to watch him latch onto this game in a way that. I didn't. And um, it's Mm. something where like my kids are just getting to the age where like it's more apparent where their interests lie and things that they latch onto. And it's always so fun to see your kid latch onto something they get super passionate about, even if it's not your passion. And that's what happened with this game. Like, Hmm. I got it because it's on Game Pass, right? And I just wanted to yeah. check it out because it was getting good reviews. So I downloaded it and I was like, yeah, I'll give it like an hour of my time, see what I think. I usually don't get that into racing games or car games, but we'll give it a shot. And so um, I booted it up when I was just in the living room. My son was like doing stuff on his iPad, you know, on the couch nearby, but not really paying attention. And by the time I was halfway through the intro sequence, he had put the iPad down, put his headphones off, was sitting like right next to me, just staring at the screen, talking about like, oh that's a mercedes oh that's a porsche dad that's a Mm. ford and i'm like wait you know like car makes and models and he started talking about the different makes and models of cars and i was like how do you what do you know these things from he's like i don't know i just look at cars when i'm on the road and i'm like right he's been sitting in the back seat as i've driven him around for years and years um and Mm. he just has that kind of memory and so he was very interested in the individual like vehicles and the cars and so i got halfway through the intro and i just like handed him the controller i'm like here go for it and so he and i kind of played together for an hour or two and then um you know he kind of went to bed for the night and i played for maybe two hours and in general, what I think my reaction to the game is it's a pretty decent open world game. Um, you know, if you like car games, if you like racing games or games with a lot of different variety of activities that you can do with a vehicle, whether it's car, truck, whatever, I guess they don't have all vehicles, yeah. but you know, four wheel vehicles. And, um, it would be a very good podcast game. Like that's kind of, if I were going to keep playing this game, that's what I would use it for. Right. I'd probably put in a podcast, not really listen to the game audio, but kind of use it as just a background activity because it's an open world game. But the thing that's been awesome is that like outside of those first couple hours that I played, I played maybe one more hour of the game. My son has put like 15 or 20 hours into this. And just to see him enjoying it so much has been it's just brought me joy. So that's why I wanted to call it out. And I I know nothing about Forza like that. I don't pay attention to car games. It is not my thing, even a little, even remotely. And uh, I saw somebody the other day mention that it was an open world game and it blew my mind. I'm like, how do you get an open world racing game? Like, I don't understand the the concept of it. I guess the closest I get is, uh, uh, oh my goodness, I can't even remember the name of it. Uh, Atlas, uh, the one with Star Fox that I played. Uh, oh, yeah. What was that? That you I know got me. I can't remember the name of it. Oh my goodness, that one was really cool. Flying around as an open world uh, in with a spaceship, uh, but I can't even imagine doing it in like a Corvette. Like I don't know why my brain cannot wrap around like how that will work because I'm so not a car car game guy or a car guy. Well, and one of the things that's really cool about this one specifically is because this is a Forza Horizon, and so Forza. I'm gonna 
I know we got to wrap up here in like a minute. I'll give the very quick version. Um, there's Forza Motorsport and there's Forza Horizon. Forza Motorsport is like the all way as much sim racing as you can possibly get. Hardest of hardcore people play that type of game. Forza okay. Horizon is the one where if you go in and you set all of the settings all the way to simulation, you can basically get back to that point. But by default, it's much more arcadey. And what I do is I go into the settings right away and I immediately make it even more arcadey. So you can set down, like make all the assists to be almost maximum, set the car difficulty down to easy, like get rid of all these things that you don't want to care about because I come from Mario Kart, right? Not from sim racing. Um, And so Forza Horizon is like so much more approachable than a Forza Motorsport game. And it's just confusing because they both start with the word Forza. And I had no clue that they were different series. Yeah, the numbering doesn't line up either. So if you were to go out and get the latest Forza Motorsport, which was I think it came out a couple years ago, you are getting a very different game than if you pick up Forza Horizon. Um, And again, this is one that's on Game Pass. So if you have Game Pass, you should grab Forza Horizon because it's great. I think it's on PC and Xbox. Yeah, I may give that a shot. It's uh, it's something that I've really enjoyed the X Cloud part of of Game Pass because of having the backbone controller for my phone, where I can just stream stuff and not have to worry about it installing and uninstalling and things like that. Like I just stream the thing, where ten times better than Stadia ever thought about being. Like Game Pass uh, X Cloud is magnificent, and I cannot recommend doing that enough. That if you can. If you're subscribed to Game Pass one way or the other and you have a way to stream it uh, like that, it is absolutely worth the the few extra dollars to uh, be able to stream like that. Yeah, it's such a good deal. I love Game Pass. Okay, anyway, that's probably it for this week. Uh, you guys can write to us with comments, suggestions, or feedback. Our email address is geek2geekcast at gmail.com or reach us on Twitter at geek2geekcast. We also have great discussions on Slack and Discord. You can go to geek2geekmedia.com for invite links. And while you're there, make sure to check out all the other content on the network, like our blogs, our video game reviews, and our Patreon content. I blog at agreenmushroom.com, and you can find me at grnmushroom. That's green mushroom without the E's on Twitter. I'm also on the Disney Forever podcast, where we watch and react to a different Disney movie every week. And I'm on Twitter as at Professor Beige. That's Beige with two E's. And I also co-host the Dragon Quest FM podcast, a show about the Square Enix RPG series. We've been Void and Beige with your geek to geek podcast. That'll do it for this week. See you next week, geeks. Bye, everybody. When toxic culture has you down. When you're just looking to laugh and have fun. Kick back and enjoy watching a video game. Or just make some new friends. It's time to visit the geek to geek Media Network. A community of podcasters, streamers, and bloggers. Well, more of a family than a community. All dedicated to geeking out about the things we love. Things like... Video games. Star Wars. Comics. Movies. K-pop. Disney Plus. Keanu. Keanu Reeves. New. Or whatever our community decides is the next best thing. That's right. We have a great online community on Slack and Discord where we chat about our weekly geekery with listeners and viewers. And each other. Yep. And each other in real time. And we can't wait for you to join us. So come check us out at geek2geekmedia.com. And escape toxic fandom for something much more... Keanu? Yes. Keanu.